You know what the only thing is that I love more than my new fiance? Brand new fiance. Love her to death. No, it's not pizza. It's a good guess though. Breathing. Huge fan. Love breathing. Oxygen. Huge supporter. Been doing it my whole life. Welcome to the Omega Sports Learn to Run podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Minerd, pronounced Minerd, and I am honored to be your host. If you are new, welcome. Here's how it works. You vote on the topic, and I create a podcast episode around that topic. If you are a regular, welcome back. I can't thank you enough for all the support, the positive feedback, the five-star ratings, the reviews. It seems that we're accomplishing what it is that we set out, and that's to help the world run safer. If you're a visual person like myself, check out my YouTube. I will post this episode and I'll sprinkle in some visuals to enhance the learning experience. things I want to kick off is I don't try not to get too personal on here. I don't want to bore you with details of my life, but I want to thank you. I want to truly thank you. This has been tough. The reason this podcast is coming out a little bit later than normal, not every two weeks, is I lost my my sweet girl, Lola, my chocolate lab of 10 years. So it's been tough. So I thank you for your patience for the delay of this episode. I thank you so much for those of you that reached out on my Instagram I truly, truly appreciate it. Lola, this episode's for you. So what was the winner? What are we talking about today? We're talking about breathing. Breathing 101. We're going to answer three main questions. The first one is, does breathing change at different paces? The second question is, should you brace your core while running? And the third one, a little bit of a hot topic, should you breathe through your nose or should you breathe with your mouth through your mouth while running? I hope to answer these questions and give you some insight, give you my two cents, shine some light on this, and hopefully make you experts in all things breathing. So as always, what's some foundational knowledge that we need to lay the groundwork, some key concepts that we need to understand before answering and delving into these three questions? We're going to go over breathing mechanics. Breathing mechanics. Another word to say that is breathing technique, how you breathe. And I know a lot of you are probably thinking, what? How to breathe? I'm doing it now. What do you mean breathing? I've been doing it forever. What do you mean teach me how to breathe more efficient? Well, just like with everything, just because you can breathe and just because you can run, it doesn't mean that your body is going to do what is the most efficient. How can you get the most amount of air in disperse it throughout your body, and how can we run or move with mechanics such that the energy we're putting in is going towards the goal of moving forward. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the technique and the mechanics of normal, traditional breathing. So why do we breathe? What's the point? Why does our body breathe? Why do we have lungs? What it all boils down to, everything, it's all about oxygen. It's all about oxygen. Oxygen is synonymous with life. Lack of oxygen or hypoxia is synonymous with death. 
everything in our body, everything has to do, we need, we have to have oxygen to survive. Example of some illnesses and diseases have to do with lack of oxygen, whether they're temporary or permanent. If you have a lack of, and how our body disperses oxygen throughout the body is blood. Blood is the transport median. If we have a lack of blood supply or a lack of oxygen to your heart, we call that a heart attack. If we have a blockage or a lack of oxygen to your brain, we call that a stroke. All has to do with we need oxygen to survive. So what's the mechanism? How do we go about getting oxygen from the atmosphere, from the air, into our body? Good old physics, back to freshman year science class, Boyle's Law. Boyle's Law states that there's an inverse relationship between volume or space and pressure. The greater the space, the greater the volume, the lower the pressure. And vice versa, the smaller the volume, the smaller the space, the greater the pressure. And we know that pressure moves from areas and air moves from areas of high to low pressure, high to low. So think about this. Imagine that your atmosphere, everything around you is one space, just one giant space or a chamber. And then in your body, your lungs, let's just call that just one space or one chamber. So how normal breathing occurs, it's all pressure differentials. In order to get air into our lungs, we have to change the pressure in our lungs such that it's lower the atmosphere, air rushes in, and then we have to change the volume in such that the pressure is higher in the lungs and air goes out. And so how do we do this? How does this expansion, this, this greater volume, smaller volume in our body, what is responsible for that? Remember, everything in our body, everything that has to do with movement our muscles are responsible for that. Whether it's controlling movement, slowing movement, creating movement, all things movement, battling gravity, everything that is responsible for movement, the only contractile component of our body is the muscles. So there's different muscles that are working when it comes to breathing. We'll get into different types, kind of a two main strategies of breathing, pretty much how do we get air in, but how do we get even more in when the demand comes? But it's all about muscles. The muscles are responsible for creating those pressure differentials in the lungs to allow air to come in and out. So we have inspiration and expiration, all about oxygen. So that leads us into our first question. Does breathing change at different paces? Let's try to keep this as simple as possible. I think sometimes we get kind of mixed up with, you know, I love a good car analogy. Love it. That's one of my favorite things. But the body is also not like a car in that when a car is off and not moving, it doesn't require anything. No gasoline, no battery. But our body, when our body is even at rest, it still requires oxygen. So it's not this light switch of we're running or we're not running on, off. It's more of a continuum. And so we know that as a, think about it this way. If I'm sitting versus standing, versus walking, versus jogging and running, the faster that I move, the more I recruit muscles, the faster that I recruit them, that comes at a cost. So yes, at higher intensities, we need to get more oxygen throughout our body. 
And so there's two main strategies or ways that we get air in. And if we think, how can we get more air in? We can either get more oxygen into our lungs with each breath. We can increase our rate of breathing, how frequently that we breathe to get air in. And also our heart rate will increase to try to perfuse and pump the oxygen throughout the body. We have two main strategies or techniques of getting air and getting oxygen in. The first one you've probably heard of is diaphragmatic breathing or stomach breathing. The second is chest breathing. And again, these are all have to do with muscles. So let's do this exercise with me. Place your right hand over your stomach and your left hand over your chest. And I want you to push your stomach out and in. And what's happening is as I'm pushing my stomach out, diaphragm, big dome-shaped muscle underneath your lungs, that's what's dropping down, changing the pressure. As I bring my abdominals in, also changing the pressure, affecting the diaphragm, lowering the volume, increasing the pressure, air goes out. So notice how just me pushing my stomach out into my hand without moving my chest, I'm getting air in. Now let's try this. Try not allowing your stomach to go out and try just breathing with your chest. Just using your traps, the muscles on top of your shoulders, your pec muscles, some of the little muscles in between our ribs are working. How much air do you feel like you can get into your lungs by just breathing in and out through your chest? Now let's combine the two. Let's do both. Let's breathe, push your stomach out, then expand your chest, and then reverse that order. So what's happening there? Stomach breathing at lower intensities, meaning sitting, standing, even walking, and even slower speeds of running, Mainly all we need to be able to breathe is just the diaphragm, just diaphragmatic breathing, just breathing in and out through our stomach. So what I wanted you to think about it is this stomach only or this diaphragmatic breathing, that's like our first line of defense. That's for lower activities, lower oxygen demands. But then we have our accessory muscles or other muscles that will then come into the picture to try to further change and enhance the space in our lungs to try to get more air in. Those are our accessory muscles. But what you notice is you can get more air in and out with your stomach versus just chest alone. And if you restrict your stomach or restrict belly breathing, it's harder to get air in. This will lead us to some clues as we go on. We talk about bracing and different strategies. So If you think back to other episodes that I've done, I believe it was episode nine on how to run faster. And I talked about different gears of your body, different intervals. Let's revisit those and talk about the breathing and oxygen. So when I talked about gears one, gear two, and gear three, the gears represent effort or intensity, how hard you're working. When we talk about gear one is a pace an effort level that you can still hold a full conversation. You can still talk to somebody next to you. Gear two is where you're a little bit higher intensity. You can get a few words out, but you can't hold full conversation. And then gear three was the highest level of intensity. 
And that's where we're barely able to get one word out, if at all. When we do this, what are we really assessing? When we talk about the talk test, what are we really testing? Air, oxygen, our ability to talk, to hold a conversation. So therefore, as the gears go higher, the oxygen demand goes up. And so the two key points of this, really how we boil this down, is try not to chest breathe or breathe with your accessory muscles at lower intensities. You'll see some people, even now, at rest or lower speeds, gear one, if you're chest breathing and not emphasizing the stomach or diaphragmatic breathing, those muscles are expensive. They're expensive tissues. They require a lot more oxygen, a lot more energy. And what does that do? That can cause us to fatigue faster. It causes us to expend energy that we don't necessarily need that we can save for running. So the key thing is to be able to distinguish between the two, between stomach-only breathing and then stomach plus chest. There's never a time where we want just chest alone. We're not going to get the full amount of oxygen in the lungs. We're not going to get the best bang for our buck. So the other key, which is going to lead us into our next point, is don't restrict the stomach. Don't restrict the stomach from going out and in. So it's not, I should be able to see, and I've done this before, where you see me running at different paces, you see the heart rate response, you see my heart rate going up, and you see it's not till I start getting fatigued and getting into faster speeds or the oxygen demand gets higher that I then start moving and breathing with the chest. But we should be able to, at lower intensities, and between all of them, be able to distinguish between the two, stomach only or stomach plus chest. Should not be a time that we're restricting stomach and shouldn't be a time where we're only using your chest. And that brings us into our next point. Should you brace your core while running? Well, think about this. Hopefully you can answer this question now. What did we do when we were restricting, not allowing your stomach to go out and in, what was doing that? What was responsible for that? Your core, the muscles around your spine. If you are not allowing your stomach to expand, we're not allowing the diaphragm to fully do its job. So there's a difference between engaging or just activating your core versus bracing, bracing your core the whole time. Let's try that. We're going to brace your core and try to breathe. So the best way, the cue to engage your core is think about driving your belly button up and in deeper towards your spine. The other way is I can't take credit for this, and we might have to change the rating on this podcast. But the other things that for men, the other way to truly brace your core is think about lifting your testicles. And for women, I'm going to say it, it's true, this is a real thing. Imagine that your vagina is drinking a milkshake. (laughs) Even us guys, we can kind of imagine that, right? But they've shown with studies where they look at electrodes and what cues get the best recruitment of the deep core, transverse abdominis, internal, external obliques. It's those, those two cues. So try that. Try to either lift the boys or bring that milkshake in or just draw your belly button up and in towards your spine and then try to breathe or try to expand your stomach out and in. You can't, right? It's restricting it. So therefore, to say you should brace your core the entire time while you're running, not ideal. 
So then what is it, Matt? What's the point? What's the key? All about the leaning. I want to first stand and stack and align my body in such a way that my core doesn't have to be involved because everything's aligned vertically. And then as I start to lean forward, hinging at the ankles, I'm still having that vertical stack and that alignment, and my core is going to be on in natural response. You don't have to think about it. As long as you can maintain that lean, your core is going to happen and engage automatically. If it wouldn't, you would just collapse. So the good news is you don't have to think about bracing your core. By mastering and maintaining the posture, the core will take care of itself. So that was a point two, should you brace your core while running? My opinion, hopefully you can see and feel, is no. It's all about the lean. Okay, so our third point, should you breathe through your nose or should you breathe through your mouth? Let's try another drill. Let's go back with your right hand over your stomach, left hand over your chest. First, I want you to try to get as much air in as possible, only breathing in through your mouth. Okay, now we're gonna repeat the same thing, but only closing your mouth and only breathing in deeply, getting as much air in as possible through your nose. What do you notice? And both of those were having to do with inspiration, bringing air in versus breathing air out. What you should have noticed is when it came to inspiration, breathing in, when you breathe through your nose, you can get more deeper filling of the lungs. You can get more air in. But at what expense? How long did it take to get the air in? Let's go to another analogy. Let's think about this. You have a long hallway. And you have two separate rooms. Think of it like your two separate rooms are your two lungs. The long hallway is like your trachea, the tube that we breathe through. But there's two different entrances into that hallway. There's either through the mouth or there's through the nose, the two nostrils. Imagine that if I have a glass of water and I have a big straw, and I suck the air in, I get or suck the water in, I can pretty quickly get a large amount versus if I had two smaller coffee straws, if I were to suck in, try to bring the water in. What do we notice? Just like it was breathing through your mouth and through your nose, we can get air in faster breathing through your mouth, bigger airway, versus breathing through your nose, breathing through the two small straws, it was a slower process. Now, let's put running aside. They show there are benefits of being a nose breather. Breathing through your nose and not breathing through your mouth, not with running. They show that it can help to filtrate foreign substances, help to clean the air, humidify and warm the air. They show it can increase the airflow to your arteries, your veins. It shows that there's an increase in oxygen uptake, circulation. It can slow down your breathing. It can improve your lung volume. It can allow your diaphragm to do its job. But that's at lower intensities. So yes, at rest, at walking, at gear one, there can be a benefit to nasal breathing with all the things that I just mentioned. But at the expense, we can't get get air in as fast, therefore not as much oxygen, depends on the demand. So here's what I would recommend. 
I like using nasal breathing throughout the day. I've learned that over time, just having asthma, I breathe through my nose most of the day and for the benefits we just mentioned. But when it comes to running, gear one, gear two, gear three, if I have a day where I'm trying to do gear one only or base training or those days we're trying to pull back on the intensity, lower oxygen demand, to have all the benefits of impact and joint forces to still build up that foundation, build up the base to make our body more resilient. Those are days that I'll do nasal only breathing. I'll keep my mouth shut and only breathe through the nose. And it acts like a governor. It doesn't allow me to go too fast because I won't be able to get air in. But if you try to do nasal only breathing at gear two and gear three, you're simply not going to be able to get as much oxygen in as you need at those higher intensities. Play around with it. Don't just take my word for it. Try it out. So to summarize, think of the straw, big straw, two little straws. Think about, yes, there's benefits of the two smaller straws, but at the expense of it's a slower amount of time of getting the water in, getting the air in. So at gear one, work on your base running. Nasal breathing can be a great strategy. If you're looking for more information on that, there's a great book out by Patrick McEwen, I believe that's how you say his name, called The Oxygen Advantage, and it talks about all this stuff. But when we say it can be beneficial with running, yes, but at what speed, what intensity, what oxygen demand. So just keeping that in mind. Okay, let's go over some key takeaways from this and some actionable items and drills that you can do. First, practice that at rest. Practice having your hand over your stomach, your hand over your chest, and expanding and pushing your stomach out into your hand. And once you can do that at rest, once you don't have to think about it, once it's a subconscious effort, you want to then take your hands away. Anytime you give yourself feedback, you have to be able to take it away and not rely on it. But the one strategy I've used with my runners is taking to take this concept of belly breathing, diaphragmatic breathing, maximizing air in, is taking an elastic band, could be an ACE bandage, could be a TheraBand, something that's not too tight, not going to actually restrict, but enough that gives you some resistance. And when you're running, practice, and this is at all intensities, because remember, we want it to be your stomach, you're always breathing through your stomach, plus or minus the chest. And when you're running, practice pushing your stomach out into that elastic band, getting that feedback, cueing to push the stomach out. Over time, though, again, learning to take the bandage off, but getting you used to and working the muscles to give some resistance to diaphragmatic breathing. With time, you take it away and you don't need it anymore. But that can be a great strategy to do to practice stomach belly breathing while you're running. Again, play around with being able to separate the two of stomach only and stomach plus chest. Practice it at rest. Practice it while walking before you incorporate it into running. Remember, don't brace the core. As much as it's great to work your core with vertical load exercise, squatting, deadlift, when it comes to moving forward, and when we have an aerobic exercise where we need oxygen, bracing the core is not going to allow as much oxygen to come in. Posture is key. Leaning forward, hinging at the ankles, the core will naturally engage or activate. 
We talked about experiment with nasal breathing at gear one. You can use your, your Garmin watch, whatever watch you use, your heart rate response, see what it is, what's your heart rate get to, how do you feel, your rate of perceived exertion when it comes to only breathing in and out through your nose, see if that correlates with your gears, and using that as, again, a way to govern and make sure and ensure that you're doing true base training. Outside of this, I've gotten so much benefit from talking about breathing when it comes to anxiety control, when it comes to mindfulness, when it comes to just chilling out, not being so anxious. So I highly recommend if you have not known about this or looked into it, there are countless resources out there, Wim Hof Method, about just how breathing and how it can be such a practice to change our, our sympathetic states, change our nervous system to allow relaxation, calming, and controlling some of those feelings. So I highly recommend looking into breathing, even outside of running, when it comes to controlling your anxiety. Self-plug, runners, you want to work training programs, mechanics, I'm your guy. There's a Learn to Run Club. It's a monthly membership. You get access to all my training plans. You get access to the fundamentals, which is 10 tests that give you a baseline of where you're at and then specific corrective exercises and different levels of what to do. There's the seven-day mechanics experience that's included in that where I teach you seven skills over seven days to master efficient mechanics. If you are a physical therapist, I've, I've got you. I've got a certification out now. Part A, Part B, and Part C it has to do with technique for Part A. There's two versions. There's seven skills that involves videoing in slow motion. And then there's the learn to run method, which does not include video, includes a tennis ball necklace and teaching only three skills. So different ways to do it. Part B of my course has to do with mobility and strength, teaching that fundamentals test, how to implement it with your patients, help with goal setting and help to guide your treatment. And then for coaches and cross-country coaches, stay tuned because I'm working on giving the same information but taking out some of the assessment and just working on some of the drills. I just worked with my sister's cross-country team and it was so fun. 25 kids, had them all line up. We pre-test videoed. I taught them these three skills, arm swing, leaning, and gliding, re-videoed. And in 30 minutes, we're able to make some great changes and I want to make that available to most of you. I would like to thank Omega Sports. They are the sponsor of the show. They've been breathing oxygen into the Carolinas for over four decades. They truly care about what they do. They're masters at it. I highly recommend checking them out locally or online. Of note, the views and opinions of this show do not reflect those of Omega Sports. For better or for worse, they are my own. If you want to vote on the topics, you can follow me on Instagram at learn.2, the number two, dot run, or email me at info at learntorun101.com. They'll be in the show notes. Again, I know it's annoying, but if you could please, please, please rate, review, share, that'll help this podcast to grow and to reach more people. The Omega Sports Learn to Run podcast is available on all major platforms. Until next time, bye.